Welcome. You're listening to Now That You Ask, curious answers to life's persistent questions as seen through the eyes of Akasha Halsey. That would be me. I'll be your host and guide as we settle in for a few minutes of the unexpected that may bring about your own questions and maybe even some answers too. Thanks so much for joining me. Now let's get started with the show. I am one of those people who think the grass might be just a little bit greener on the other side of the fence. There just might be something better I haven't thought of yet, or something new I hadn't heard of. I try to be satisfied with what I have, but sometimes, well, I'm just called to action. Marmalade. It took a lot of courage to buy that $21 jar of marmalade from Scotland, hoping it was the same kind my grandmother always had on her breakfast table. Hers was in a white ceramic jar, not see-through at all, so you just had to guess how much was left. And it was expensive even when I was a kid, which was a long time ago. My grandmother Lizzie had pursed lips always, not smiling much, and she was insistent that her marmalade was only Dundee. Occasionally, I would wonder if that tart marmalade was responsible for those lips. It had lots of orange rind in it, but also managed to spread easily on toast. But then Lizzie's toast was only white bread, and you were lucky if it didn't fall apart even when you toasted it. She had the same thing for breakfast every day except Sunday, when she had eggs and bacon, so I guess that's why she was so picky about her toast spread. I had researched Dundee marmalade and found that Dundee was the region the oranges were from, rather than a family-run marmalade business. I suppose since it was from Scotland, I thought it would be a specialty like single malt scotch. Also, I found out only Seville oranges were used because of the bitterness of their rind. So I I made my PayPal payment and waited for my Dundee marmalade to arrive. I had never paid that much for a three-ounce jar of a condiment in my life, and I was hoping it would live up to my expectations. It took ages to come, and when it did, it was nestled inside an order for humidifier filters, and I didn't see it. I complained to Amazon and they refunded my money. By this time, I had been forced to buy some French variation of marmalade. Well, it wasn't really that bad. Plus, I had my American-made marmalade, which was also passable. When I went to use the filters months later, I found the marmalade stuffed inside and suffered the guilt of knowing I had received the product, but it had been refunded my money. In the end... I told the marmalade company what had happened in an email, but they never responded. Now, I had three jars of marmalade in my fridge, and I had moved on to homemade granola and fruit for summer breakfast. I recently had to throw out the American marmalade, the oldest, because of mold, and was sure the French kind would be next. I tried buying bagels for my expensive marmalade, but found I preferred them only with butter. Consequently, I still have my most expensive marmalade in the back of my fridge, waiting for my mouth to signal a return to toast as a breakfast option. Is there a lesson here? Perhaps don't go seeking out the most expensive version of something you like 
because your tongue is a fickle lover. Update. Sunday morning, my day of leisure, I opened my marmalade. You know, the expensive one. It was immediately apparent there were a few differences. First of all, it was noticeably less jelly-like. Left unattended, it quickly softened and became almost runny. I was happily surprised this did not diminish the flavor. Secondly, where I had expected to see quite a bit of rind, there seemed to be less, not more, than the brands I had tasted before. As I bemoaned this fact, since that's what gives marmalade its bitter taste, I remembered Seville oranges are exceptionally bitter, so perhaps I was a little too quick to judge. That issue has often been brought up by my AA sponsor. Third, I was left to wonder if it would hold up to the bacon I allowed myself on Sundays. Now, the use of the word allowed might lead you to believe I am disciplined with my diet, but alas, that is not the case. I have bacon on Sunday because I can remember to have it, given the morning I allot myself to read the paper, but I digress. Settling on sourdough toast, my favorite, I began toasting it while ruminating on the amount of spread to use. It seemed a tiny taste was called for before fully committing myself. Not wanting to dirty a spoon, and knowing I lived alone and no one would ever know, although now you do, I dipped my finger in the marmalade and tasted. A touch of sweetness, much less than American brands. A bite to the rind, not at all unpleasant and confirming my knowledge of the oranges used. And finally, no aftertaste on the tongue, which, believe it or not, is extremely hard to find. Next up, the question of to butter or not to butter the toast. I know a European would never combine the two, butter and marmalade, but then, as I said, I live alone and I can do as I please. So butter it was, but lightly. Ditto the marmalade. There is nothing worse than a jelly spread that completely overwhelms the taste of a good sourdough slice. May I just say, after that first bite, I could think of nothing else. Hot coffee cooled. The cat meowing for a tiny taste of butter was ignored. The bitterness I love and the sweetness of the oranges were melded to perfection. That taste might have to go down in the Guinness Book of World Records, as a perfect combination for a marmalade. And while I may exaggerate my reaction to various other items, I am not known to extravagantly praise toast spreads. After cleaning up, I moved all inferior marmalades to the back of the fridge, not unlike what I do with my clothes I no longer wear. I could not imagine settling for such second-place marmalade now that I had found one so delightful. For now, I am in love with my marmalade, and it will grace my toast all the days of my life. Update to the update. I recently purchased artisan rolls that require close attention when applying marmalade. Their nooks and crannies, deeper than any English muffin, threaten to secrete orange rind, thereby disrupting the tangy taste combo I've come to love. Perhaps it's the age-old discontent between the Scottish and the English that's to blame. One wonders. In any event, I soon learned that more is better in this case, 
and also reflected on how this seems to be true no matter what the occasion. Can one actually overdo really good orange marmalade? I feel a taste test coming on. Later in the day, remembering my grandmother's marmalade, I began to compare my memories with my recent breakfast. I felt sure my grandmother's marmalade was more bitter and had more rind. What might that do to the combination? I remembered I really wanted to experience my grandmother's marmalade taste again, and I began to wonder if there were any other Dundee marmalades I might research for contrast. I mean, how do I know there isn't a bitter spread out there just waiting for me to discover it? I would hate to think I let anything slip past me, seeing how much emphasis I place on having exactly the right table setting and food compliments. I suspect tomorrow the next day, I will take a few minutes to explore my options, knowing with each bite of toast and marmalade, I've already given myself a slice of heaven, but also wanting the experience of, but wait, there's more. And do you know, I always believe there is. Thank you for listening to Now That You Ask. I hope you found this episode insightful and perhaps entertaining too. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate and review it on iTunes. If you didn't like the show, well, I guess you just lost a few minutes of your life. But you might want to try another one. They're all really different. You can also listen to past episodes and subscribe to email updates on nowthatyouaskpodcast.com. Bye-bye for now.